Yo, yo, welcome back to the It's All Opinion podcast. This is episode 10. Thank you for watching. I am your host, Nate Sperlin, here hosting the podcast that gives you straight facts. And if it's not facts, it's an opinion. Once again, thank you for watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, other DSPs that I won't name here. Do us a favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Shout out to all our subscribers. And if you feel left out, I have a simple solution for you. You can just subscribe to the channel and thank you for doing that as well. Check out the Old Milk Spence Place on Spotify and YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Old Milk Media. And that being said, I am here with hip-hop's therapist, classic poet out of White Plains, New York. Classic poet, how are you doing today? Got a nice round of applause for you. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. I'm doing great. You know what I'm saying? I'm enjoying my Sunday. This is like my my, my chill-out day. So, like, y'all caught me on, on my real authentic vibe. I feel that. I feel that. Um, So... I guess my first question for you is the hardest one, at least for me personally. Um, if someone asked me this question, I kind of like don't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. Could you share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, well, you know, I, I like that you uh, said uh, hip hop therapist. Like, I can see you probably like check my online profile stuff like that. I think I'm actually in like a space of of evolving. So I think like I'm trying to leave those type of like definitions of thinking too much i think i'm simply just a person who stands hard on his values of just being able to uh fulfill anything he wants to do and person who's capable of doing anything you know i feel like i'm personally just a a manifester you know a person who's always growing i'm a student you know um yeah you know i mean and i'm human above all else so I, i think above all else i would just like to acknowledge that i'm here just having this human experience making my music and trying to be the best person that I, I am every day all right I want to start with sports first I think um let's start talking about football because we have three sports going on right now we have basketball baseball and I guess some people would say most importantly football um yeah. that being said on a scale of one to ten how are you surprised or how surprised are you by the success the New York Giants have had this season um definitely I, I definitely a surprise because this is like the first time in 10 years that we've even uh, caught a groove this season. Mm-hmm. Um, as a fan, I always kind of want to like gloat a little bit and say that, you know, my team, you know, we got it this year. We got it this year. But honestly, it, it's it's a fun experience right now. It, it's something that we haven't seen in a few years. So coming out of like a, a pandemic and, and a time where just like, it just seems like two years ago was like seven years ago to come out of it and to feel like it's a refresh you know, on all fronts, it's just, you know, it makes for a fun experience. I'm just trying to live in the moment and take it game by game. So you, you sound like a, um athlete. <laughs> like you just got, off, you just got off winning the game. And you, and I used like, to Yo. be an athlete. Like oh, before what did you that, I was an athlete. So, you know, I have, a, I, I guess I definitely have um ways of conveying that through interview as well. <laughs> what did you play? What, what sports did you play? I played football. Mm-hmm. My, just football? My, my dad was a football coach. I grew mm-hmm. up in a football family. I played all the way until my first year in college. What position did you play? I played defensive back, strong safety, cornerback, oh. free safety, that that whole backfield. Oh, so you was being moved around. You was... Yeah, I was being moved around when I was in high school. You know, I um 
was essentially like one of the the generals on my defense. You know, I would help mm -hmm. call the plays and stuff. By the time I got to college, I was a little bit smaller than everybody else. So like my original strong safety, which is essentially like an outside linebacker, got moved over to like corner. So I got to learn how to just be on your own island. And then I moved to free safety where I learned about just keeping everything in front of you. And I think I had the most fun being a free safety because like, you know, I was it's in I was free. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was free to just move around. If the ball was in the air each way, it was like my job to just cover those parameters and stuff. So really fun, really fun experience. So off mic, you talked a little bit about your superstitions, about how you said that you can't watch a Giants game this season in the first half. And additionally, some uh, superstitions you've had before, um, I believe one of them you said was moving the couches around so they're arranged in the exact um, way that... Yeah, that was something we used to do. That's not that's not a custom anymore. That was some that's like uh like fifteen plus years ago now. But the but the um not watching until about the second half is definitely a, a fact. All right. So one, break that down for me, and then two, explain to me why the previous superstition or what breaks a superstition for you. What breaks a superstition for me when I just when I pick up on it, like when I start to recognize it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I keep doing it and it keeps happening. Like, you know, like I told you to begin when you asking who do I feel I am? I feel like I am just one of those manifestors. I feel like my words have a lot of power. I feel like my, my actions have a lot of power. I feel like if I channel in something, like it tends to be true. So if I'm telling myself that like, I can't drink <laughs> like all this glass of water while this game is on, or I can't watch until the third quarter, and it picks up like that, then I'll keep going with it. And I'll keep going with that energy. Now, if it if it breaks, if it's like suddenly like that, that doesn't ring true anymore, then that superstition is done. And like, you know, it won't come back until I feel like I've picked up another superstition or another pattern. So is that something that is just for sports or is are there any other ways that that superstitious mindset influences your life or your music or both? Um, I feel like that's mainly sports. I don't think I, I translate that to life as much. Okay. I don't think like in terms of like my music or just every regular life, like I have any superstitions towards that. Um, I mean, what I will say towards like music is I don't necessarily talk about my plans while I'm working on it. But I think a lot of, I, I don't really think that's necessarily something that's like, you know, that's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's just me. Like, I don't think yeah. it's just me doing that. I think a lot of people don't really say what they're doing. You know what I mean? But I'm really like, my own friends would tell you, like, sometimes they won't hear anything from me until like the product is already like ready, set and locked to go. And they'll be like, where the fuck this come from? Like, yeah, you know? So um, I think in that sense, because, you know, I, I just don't want any like energy necessarily like derailing it or just knowing as quick as they need to know. Um, okay, so final question on football. Um, yep. I believe I was watching ESPN and Max Kellerman was making this argument that the Giants, that this season, this stroke of good success for the Giants is one of the worst things that can happen because Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley do not have contracts after this year. What do you think about that? Do you think that this is kind of a bittersweet moment because you're understanding that, yes, the Giants are going to be our good this season, however, you may have to overpay for Daniel Jones or and Saquon Barkley, or are you just taking it all in stride and you think that this team can win a Super Bowl as currently constructed? 
Um, I'm think I'm just taking it all in stride. You know, as I said before, I think it's just a thing where we have to take it game by game because I don't think we went into it, you know, thinking like, oh, this is a Super Bowl caliber, championship caliber team this year. You know, this is more so like for the last few years, the Giants have been trying to rebuild. So it's just more like a of a rebuilding phase and um we're putting pieces together. And but I, I think that, you know, things change at the whim at the the flick of a dime, you know what I mean? By the end of the season. You know, if we do have a great playoff run and, you know, if the gods in heaven decide that this is our year to have that run, I think a lot of things will be restructured. I think, you know, there'll be some tough decisions that need to be made in the front office and concerns of like other players and cap salary. But I think overall, like, we'll make it work. You know what I mean? If it turns out Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are a magical duo together, especially if we hit the playoffs, then, you know, I guess common sense kicks in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Maybe, you know, we have to keep these two. You know, who knows? Who knows? Give me one NBA hot take. One NBA hot take. Oh, man. I, I don't even know if I have any hot takes. I think I have stuff that people would agree with. Like, right. I, think, I think I think Ja Morant is maybe a season or two away from, a, like, a true breakout year. Okay. You know? Like, okay. I, I don't think I have anything that's like, wow, like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? What is a breakout year for John Morant being that last year he looked like one of the at least at the very minimum top 10 players in the league. And this year it looks like he's going to be maybe a top five player in the league. Like what is a breakout year for him? Do you think that he's possibly going to be the best player in the league? Yeah, a breakout year, I would say, is like consistently, you know, double, double, triple, double every game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or just a run. Or just, yeah, or just a run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just a run where it's just like he just his team is winning and he's just putting up numbers on the board, not just on a scoring front. Just, you know, just an all around uh, leader. You know what I mean? Assist, yeah. Rebounds. yeah. All right, I can see. I can see that he has the athleticism to do that. Also, yeah. his his highlights I, my, are my, crazy. My thing with John Morant is, you know, I always just pray that he stays very healthy because yeah. he has a. Is it, he has an explosiveness that is very exciting to see, but if it burns out really quick, like, you know, you might not get that back. You know what I mean? You might be stuck at 90% for the rest of your career instead of that that 95 and up that we've always seen. Like, I feel like Derrick Rose, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, had a certain explosiveness that we didn't see for a long time after he got hurt, you know? Yeah. And to, to a degree we may have never seen since then, so... You know, I, I pray he stays healthy and we have a lot more years to see him um, excel the way he's supposed to. Yeah, I, I'm still distraught that we didn't see prime Derrick Rose because he's yeah. the youngest MVP ever. He probably would have been the best player in the league at some point. I, I, It's just a real shame. But transitioning on to something else that you like to do, you said that you like to read. Um, how often do you read and why do you think it's important for you to continue reading? I read every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important just because um, it expands your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, you um, you articulate yourself better when you're reading on things. It takes your mind off of like um, what's going on in the societal world, and by that I mean like social media. Just mm-hmm. taking a break from like all of that going on and just like picking up a piece of literature. You know, it it creates a opportunity for a different dialogue and different conversation. So, you know, if you're meeting with people, sometimes when you're reading a book, you really like the first thing you want to talk about is a lesson you may have learned from that book 
or something that you feel is insightful information instead of like, yo, yo, you know who's in a beef with who today? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's just a better atmosphere. You know, I think yeah. we all kind of need a break from that. All right. So let me propose a scenario to you. You're in a bookstore and there's every book that you can possibly imagine. Yep. Every, every genre, every author, et cetera, et cetera. Where is the first section that you go to and why is that the section that you're going to go to first? Um, this may sound cliche, but I go to the poetry section. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I like, you know, I like reading quotes that just maybe a sentence long or maybe a couple lines long, but like they drive a point, they drive a saying, you know, they drive an overall theme. And, um, after that, I kind of go to like the, like the memoirs, the nonfiction autobiographies, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I had read like Will Smith's book th this past year. Um, one of my friends is reading like the book on like Raekwon Chef mm -hmm. Tang. So I think I think it's dope to just read people's stories like in depth like that. You know, especially people that are like in the creative lane. Yeah. You know, and some and people that kind of have um insight to offer to a person reading like me. Yeah. Um, so I'm noticing a trend of the first questions, your responses kind of go around you trying to understand the world around you better. Does yeah. that also play into your love of documentaries as well? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite documentaries? What are the types of documentaries you like to watch and why are documentaries so appealing to you? Yo, so, so recently, right? The documentaries that I've been watching, in addition to just like sports documentaries, because mm -hmm. I, I've been watching the um, the legacy one on the mm -hmm. LA Lakers, um, but I've been watching a lot of wrestling documentaries lately. You know, I got like a, a Peacock subscription and like they have like the whole uh, WWE library that you can watch a bunch of stuff. And I've just been kind of watching like their biographies and like the stories behind like their characters and characters we watched growing up, because I think there's a, a, a really a really like seeing parallel between like the the rap business and like the professional wrestling business you know what i mean i think in the sense that like these people like they're in charge of like telling this story and creating their characters and it's something about them that like captivates us all and um like i think rap is like that i think we are we're in charge of like telling our own stories and creating our own narratives and putting it out there and entertaining crowds of people, you know, and, and it's really up to us if we have that pull on people, you know what I mean? If, if what we're saying is like registering to people. So like watching these documentaries and watching a guy like, like, a uh, like the rock, you know what I mean? And like, you know, how we know Dwayne Johnson now. And when he started, like, if he was nothing like that, like he actually reinvented himself and kind of was like um, testing out versions of himself until he got to that point. So I, I just think it's really fascinating to see in that sense. And I try and, and take like methods that they used and ways of like captivating people and maybe like figuring out how can I apply that in my ways? Like if I have a show, you know what I mean? Like what, what can I do on stage that like creates a lasting effect on this person that's in the crowd? That's like, wow, that was, what, that's unique. You know, what's this person's music like? Or like, I wanna go to another show from this person. So yeah, documentaries just, I guess I just take from it and figure out how I can hone my own craft and constantly reinvent myself with it. What was the last thing that you took from a documentary that you applied directly to your craft? You yeah, like reinvention, like mm -hmm. the power of like remaining yourself, but understand that you got to kind of move on with 
the times and, you know, keep people on their toes, really. You know what I mean? Not staying stagnant and just this version of yourself. This version of yourself can have a lot of success, but that success can stop if you feel like you've made it already. You know what I mean? I think I'm a person that, like, no matter where I, I go, like, I always feel like there's an avenue for me to get better. So, like, I'm constantly going to reinvent, you know, just when you think you know me, like, you don't know anything at all, you know, in that sense. Additionally, you mentioned cooking as one of your hobbies as well. Um, where does that come from? Like, where does that love of cooking from, come from? I actually, like, picked up cooking, like, during the pandemic when I was mm -hmm. just in the house and mm -hmm. I didn't have um, much to do, really. Like, there wasn't, like, nobody was really going outside like that. So I just thought that, you know, I'll pick up cooking, <laughs> find new things to do, find new things I didn't think that, um, you know, I was going to do. But my favorite, you know. So uh, if you were, I'm going to give you two scenarios. Yeah. You're cooking for the homies. Yeah. What are you cooking? If I'm cooking for the homies, probably frying some. I'll probably like frying some chicken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, like real like Super Bowl party gathering foods. Like, um, yeah, I know. I, I feel like what you're going to ask me next, though. Like, I think I can give you a better answer on what you're going <laughs> to ask me next. All right. So you got a date and you told her, yo, I cook mad good, right? There we go. What is the, um, what's the dish that is going to make her fall in love with you? Okay, here we go. So usually mm -hmm. I think, I think seafood is more of a winner when it comes to women. Like, mm -hmm. I'll probably make a nice, like, um, probably like oven baked like sweet chili salmon like I'll put my spices on it maybe give it a little like little kick to it um I'll probably have like some type of vegetable like a, like an asparagus or like a brussels sprout or like maybe even like a house salad I'll mm -hmm. probably have like brown rice and I'll probably pour like um like a like a I like moscato but I know certain people like um like a red wine you know what I mean? Like a Cabernet or a Merlot or some people don't really like, you know, some people don't really like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I know how to, you see how I can paint the picture better yeah. with, for women. Like, well, homies, homies is kind of like, it's easy for us. Sometimes we yeah. can really just, you know what I mean? Like, we can make sandwiches and that, like, that's that's really what it is. But with a woman, like, and especially like if you're telling them you can cook, you got to come, you got to come correct. You, you got to, you got That first impression is everything for sure. That first impression is everything. <laughs> like, if you're putting on that plate is everything. You know what I mean? Uh, the... I, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, we eat all of this, but I don't know if I would necessarily like fry some chicken or like, you know, make a burger for a girl. Like the first, like if I really want to make an impression on in terms of cooking, but it's like, I could, if I knew that's what that person wanted. Mm -hmm. it's it's just so interesting to see the how scientific you got with the second scenario you're like yo yeah. <laughs> i know you like this i know you like this if we mix this and this together we get this like we get this <laughs> um yeah. okay so moving on to your music um you pride yourself on the storytelling of your music could you talk more specifically about um that storytelling element that is in your music yeah um the storytelling element in my music is just uh it's very introspective. You know, I, I really speak from just kind of like how I see things. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I kind of say it in a way where it's like, I, I make sure not to sound preachy or like judgy or like telling people like, this is what this life should be according to how I see it, but more so like, this is how I see it. And if it like, if, if you kind of see things the way I see it, then like, 
these are the records for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it just introspective, like just very, very based on like using this world as my muse at all times. You know, speaking my mind and speaking it freely. So do do you think that storytelling is becoming a lost art in today's hip hop? And if so, like, what do you think you personally can do to try and um, solve that? Nah, I don't think storytelling is becoming a, a lost art in music. I I think that we're in such a, like a overly saturated time. I think everything is so accessible that, um, yeah, I think you just gotta look for people. Like yesterday, me and my boy, we was listening to Armani Caesar's tape, Liz mm-hmm. Two from, you know, uh, that was executive produced by like West Side Gun and Griselda. And we were just blown back by like how great the tape was like top to bottom. There was really no skips on that. And, you know, her, her wordplay was something that really stood out, like her storytelling, the samples that she used, it really like painted a picture. You know, we was kind of seeing what we was hearing. So yeah, that's, it's not going. I, I think, I think it's easy to sit here and look at the stuff that's being like blasted on radio and saying that, yo, you know, the culture's lost, hip hop is dead, you know, this, We're that, losing and recipes. you know, it's done, but it's not. It's just that, you know, the things that are put on display right now. And like I said, the oversaturation and the accessibility of stuff makes it kind of hard to navigate and see these people who are, you know, giving to the culture, who are storytelling, telling these stories, but they're still here. They're still here. I, for one, can tell you as a person who's, who's a storyteller, who's still telling these stories, who's still appreciates the the craft of constructing a a playthrough listen album front to back that we're not lost you just gotta do the work and find where we at you know who is on your mount rushmore of storytellers in terms of hip-hop my route my mount rushmore of storytellers in terms of hip-hop wow that's four people like that's a very very hard question you put Mm. me on the spot (laughs) yeah you put me on the spot that was that that's that's really crazy Oh man, who's the who's even the first? The first person might have to be Kendrick Lamar. Okay. If if we want to be in terms of storytelling, um, the next person might be, yeah, it might be, might be, it might be Andre Three Thousand. Mm-hmm. Then there's, I think, I think Biggie is a really good storyteller. I think Biggie's storytelling is like second to none. Um. And then I think it, I think Nas, you know, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, because you know what I mean. And it's hard. I feel bad right now. I'm gonna look back on this shit and look at the podcast, and I'm gonna be like, "Yo, how can we miss so and so like Wayne? Like, how can we not say Jay? Like, how can we not say these people?" But like, yeah, those are names that came first, especially somebody like Nas. Like Nas, for some reason, like he drops you in the middle of wherever he's at with you. And Biggie was good at doing that as well. So yeah, you know, I think I think I'm gonna stick with those four that I said originally. Okay. Two follow-up questions. The they don't have to do with storytelling necessarily. Okay. First one, real quick, what did you think about Mr. Morrell and the Big Steppers? I love the tape. It was okay. a great tape. What does it does rank amongst Kendrick albums? Um, you know, I I really don't like to to rank albums mm-hmm. because I think that we we should appreciate like records in the space that the person made him. So in this particular space, I appreciate the album for the space that Kendrick is in. He's in a space of like um, confronting his vices and confronting his insecurities and his vulnerabilities and things that make him human. 
you know, and um, acknowledging his growth and his his disconnect to uh, things that he thought was uh, comfort and right. And I, I appreciate all of that. You know what I mean? I appreciate it in a different way that I appreciated Dan when Dan came out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or when Good Kid Mad City came out. So I don't want to really rank it because it's just like, I don't know. I think that I think that's that's one that's something that like we all have issues with like comparing and stuff like that. I think you know we don't give chances to make like see artists growth because we compare it you know what yeah. I mean I think when Bryson Tiller came out with a tape like Trap Soul when he came out with his next tape we didn't necessarily appreciate it as much because we were still kind of stuck on you know what he what he put out the first time in the space he was in that time i think we were just talking about nas i think nas's whole career he's been fighting against illmatic like whatever he's dropped has always been placed against illmatic this is a great tape but yo it's no illmatic but it's just like you know with that train of thought you're kind of forgetting that like you know he's 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 evolving he's trying to try new things in these new spaces so yeah i, right. I don't know but i would definitely say um Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers was a phenomenal tape. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, I think that it's just one of the, um, it may be a little tougher to digest for, you know, as compared to his other tapes. I think it's a harder digestible tape because it confronts things that we kind of conceal. We don't necessarily want to confront within ourselves. So. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you for King's Disease 3? Oh man, like a like a calm eight nine, especially after hearing Magic last holiday season out of Magic nowhere. Was, Wave now, Gods, Magic, Magic Wave Gods and Ugly, those are I'm still Magic playing them today. Was a great take. Yeah. You know I mean, you want to talk yeah. about you want to talk about Illmatic? You want you want to hear a hot take? That album may come close in terms of his discography, like with Illmatic in them, like Magic, like those are nine tracks. You know what I mean? So structurally, it it has an Illmatic feel, and like he came out the gate swinging on that. Mm. You know, um, so Kings of these three, him and Hit Boy, been they've been on a run. I love their parents. Hit Boy, Hit Boy has been the best producer in all of rap for the past three to four years, and he deserves it. You know, yeah. he's had such a long journey. You know, sometimes he didn't get the just do that he was supposed to get. You know, what I mean, he 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 ran through the rings of fire real quick. So like to see this success that he's getting, he deserves it completely. Could you describe your music and your music videos for someone who hasn't heard it or watched them yet and explain why someone should listen to you? Um, my music and my music videos are very satirical. So it's very entertaining. It, it's very, um, it's very like, visu like visually appealing, but it always has like some type of um, real life undertone to it or like serious undertone to it. Um, a, a, a video like Highway, you know what I mean? That's very colorful in its um, approach and its demonstration is like reveals the dark underbellies of the business and like, you know, how you should maneuver or how people try to maneuver around you. So yeah, very satirical, very something that is like informative as well as entertaining. Okay. Um, additionally, in your bio, you say that your music speaks to the inner psyche uh, and insecurities of rappers. What are those insecurities? What is that inner psyche that you're talking about? I want to say like imposter syndrome. Okay. You know, us having these big dreams of, you know, having a message that registers to every single person on this planet Earth and like having those moments where, where you're kind of questioning yourself, like, you know, who am I to feel like I'm this, you know, almost this grand you know lyric, you know verbal messiah that can 
lead people to water. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How do you get over that? Um, consistency. Okay. You know what I mean? Your hundred percent is not going to be your hundred percent every day. You know, it's not going to look the same, but it's still your hundred percent. So if your hundred percent is like 80% compared to how it was yesterday, as long as you're putting in that work and you're doing something to progress forward every day, even if it's two steps, like you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the right position. You know what I mean? As long as you don't stop. You've gone on tour in Europe and you performed in the United States. What is what are some of the differences that you've noticed between how fans in Europe appreciate your music and how fans here appreciate your music? Um, fans in Europe are like they're less subjective. You know, what I mean, it's, it's more they appreciate that you're out there like entertaining them you know, that you're giving them music. They don't really care about, like, followers. They don't care if you're blue-checked. They don't care about, you know, how many uh, records you are able to crack on the charts or any of the stuff that we place here in the system. Like, they're not, they're not, they're, they're, their love for you is not based on what a system is displaying to them, but more so of what you're authentically, like, showing them and displaying to them, you know? Could you talk about the inspiration between a side, the side A, side B um, EP? What was that? Could you talk about the inspiration between the side A, side B EP? A side B side EP and the inspiration for um, well, I I really just kind of wanted a message that um was encouraging people. I think that mental health is the most important thing. It's the most important topic. You know, we are going. I feel like overall, there's like a there's like a melancholy feel in this world right now. I think we've all went through so much that like a lot of our, our mental challenges are being placed head on in front of us. So as a person who has went through it himself and is not exempt from what he's talking about, kind of wanted to put out a record like anything that just reminds people that like you're already on this journey and you've already accomplished so much and there's gonna be so much for you to accomplish. You just gotta weather that storm. And you got a song like Somebody's Daughter that's just really like, I just wanted people to have fun as well. You know what I mean? It's really like also live in the moment. You know what I mean? If any, if this, if what we went through has shown me anything is that everything could be taken away from us at, this, at the drop of a dime. And it's just like, yes, you know, we don't really have control over like what happens in the exterior world. But if you are, you know, taking it day by day and you are focused on being the best person that you can, like your life is going to be happier. You know what I mean? And I just wanted something that is just like, hey, you know what I mean? You know, we don't we don't know how much time we have on this world, but while we're here, let's just make it better. You know what I mean? Let's let's have fun. Let's let's make the most of this existence. You know what I mean? Adversity and all. So I think that's the side of it. And it's also um, you know, it it's also not the end of, you know, this journey of where I'm taking this next chapter in my career. Those are those are two records that are all leading to something. You know, what I'm are they leading to? They're leading to another project. Okay. Like there's another tape coming out. I, I don't have a date for you just yet. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal is to to get it out maybe before the year's up, but who knows? But I, I know it's coming soon and, you know, we're working really hard to get it done and get it out. So like, you know, those two singles were like the first warning shots, I would say. Okay. Um. Okay. So follow-up question. Do you have like a finalized name for the album? Do you have a, like, what is... What do you think it's going to look like? What is your vision for it right now? Uh, the finalized name for the tape is called Sad FM. It's mm -hmm. an acronym. So like, I'm going to, you know, you, you, 
I, I just told you the title of the tape without telling you the title of the tape. So you'll know the title of the tape when it drops, but you, you guys know the acronym now. Okay. Okay. So we're here on our final segment. It's time for you to speak your piece. This is the segment where guests can promote or say whatever is on their mind. You have a minute. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Shout boys, classic poet. My new singles, double singles, A side, B side, two singles and one is out now. My music video slash short film, anything is out now on YouTube. Um, you know, I just I want you guys to be on the lookout. This holiday season should be a fun ride. Um, it's the start of a new chapter. So, you know, to my supporters that I have now, thank you for, you know, weathering the storm with me, for being very patient with me and for always, you know, giving me your kind words, none of it goes unnoticed. And to people who see this and to all my new supporters who are just joining, welcome to the journey. It's only up from here. We don't stop, we're capable of doing anything. All right, thank you for being here on the show. Nay, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you as well. That being said, this has been the this has been the It's All Opinion podcast. You can connect with Classic Poet on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can find all his music on Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. The links will be in the description below and on oldmilk.co. That being said, I am Nate Sperlin. This has been episode 10, and we are out. Thank you for watching. What do I want? It's a question that everyone eventually has to ask themselves. The key motivator for every action taken the cause behind every effect. So, what do I want? I want to go to a sporting event in every major venue. I want to grow within my relationships with my friends and my family. I want the freedom to create without the fear of failure. I want to dream without being hindered by reality. I want to chase new passions, new experiences, and new goals. I want old milk to branch out of the box and try new things. I'm accomplishing some of these goals right now, and I know what I need to do to achieve the rest of them. However, the one thing you should take away from this commercial is, I want you to buy Old Milk merch.